0: Okay. No, uh uh-uh. uh. I'm just, I'm nervous. So, you know what? Maybe if I just, if I picture them all in their underwear. That's not a good idea. That's kind of the reason Alaska got fired. <laughs> they say if you're nervous around someone, you should picture them naked. I do not recommend this strategy. Try picturing them with more clothes on or a funny coat. Those were scenes from Friends and The Office two of my favorite shows where they talk about picturing someone naked to get rid of nerves. It's become somewhat of a trope in a lot of movies and films, but I always think, why would that make me less anxious? I mean, we all deal with our emotions differently, but if I'm feeling anxious about giving a presentation or a speech or performing in front of a large group of people, imagining them naked is not a tactic I would resort to. I don't judge though, it might work for some. Whenever we feel anxious, we want to feel safe. We look for ways to feel the opposite of anxious, but there's also another way to overcome anxiety. And that's by practicing feeling it more often. On today's episode of Latinx, I speak about anxiety with Lisa Valtierra, a cross-cultural marketing and advocacy expert in the pharmaceutical and healthcare fields. She has proven success in crafting Spanish and English campaigns that resonate with U.S. Latino consumers and broader audiences. More recently, Lisa, along with a team of experts, developed a new product called Alvas, a virtual self-help for your anxious reality. Alvas provides people the skills to better manage anxiety using virtual reality and cognitive behavioral therapy principles, which we'll also talk about on this episode. If you're someone who has anxiety and you're interested in being a beta tester for Aldas, make sure to email info at and let them know you're interested. It's a great opportunity for you to be part of something at its inception and it will also help the Audaz team develop an even better product. Hola, yo soy Andrea Márquez and this is Latinx a show brought to you by La Red Hispana and the Hispanic Communications Network for the new generation of Latinx. This season, we want to focus on empowering you to follow your passion and be smart about chasing your dreams while speaking to Latinx from all over, de diferentes colores y sabores. Thank you for all of your support. Our community keeps growing, so make sure to join Latinx on Instagram and TikTok at Latinx. You can also find out more on our website at I'm
1: a Los Angeles native born and raised here. My parents were from Mexico city and I have apparently always been in some interested in healthcare. And part of that was that when I was in high school, I worked at a pharmacy and not that it occurred to me that I would end up in healthcare, but you know, life has its way of weaving its magic and when I, um, after college, I went to UCLA, and after college, I started advocating for women and people living with HIV. And that really made me hyper aware of how disparities in society affect different communities and how people access or don't access medical services or mental health care services. <clears throat> So that led me on this whole path, you know, through the pharmaceutical industry, working uh, in, in patient advocacy and, you know, helping organizations develop their education programs. And I used to deliver education directly to patients, which was super rewarding. I mean, I got to meet people who I never would have been able to meet otherwise. And what always inspired me was that no matter where they had come from, no matter what their journey had been, they kept showing up for themselves. And that was something that I found really amazing. And that's basically what's inspired my whole career is that when we have an opportunity, we need to make it sometimes it's a little bit easier for people to show up for themselves. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. That's amazing. And that you do it for those reasons as well.
1: My own health journey has been challenging at times. Um, There was a time when I was very sick and almost died and it, you know, it kind of hits you smack in the head, what are you gonna do about it? And so I was fortunate that um, I was able to navigate my way back to health, but not everybody has that opportunity. Um, so it, it, does, it does it very close to home that for me, healthcare is a right and everyone should have the opportunities to, um, to become them, their true selves and to live their lives as fully as possible, whatever that means for them. Again, because it's not one definition for everybody. Everybody has their own idea of, of what a fulfilled life is and whatever that is, they should have the opportunity to develop that for themselves. So all of this
0: took you to aldas
1: Yes. So I was at a conference that was about entertainment and the gaming industry and how there was this intersection of that. And I'm listening to all these amazing people talk about the gaming industry and virtual reality gaming and I'm not a gamer, <laughs> so it was all very new to me. And I couldn't help thinking, I'm sitting there in the audience with all this healthcare stuff that I do, because that's all I've ever done. So I'm sitting there thinking, wow, this virtual reality stuff is really cool. And I bet that there are some very, uh, cool uses for it outside of entertainment not that games are bad not by any means I think they're actually pretty fun and can teach a lot of people and they're actually good for the brain but I couldn't help thinking let's you know what else is there for this and I happen to have a very 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 good friend named Dr. Shanna and I called her that night because she happens to treat people with severe anxiety disorders And she and I have known each other for many, many years. And she will tell me of situations that her patients go through, always HIPAA compliant. She never outs anybody, of course, but she would tell me of the struggles that they have. And I, and she also is an expert in cognitive behavioral therapy. And I'll get into the definition of that in a minute, but I called her at the end of the day and I had all my little notes down and I said, Shayna, I said, would virtual reality work for what you do. And she's like, oh my God, that's exactly what we need because there aren't enough therapists. There aren't enough hours in the day to treat people who actually need this kind of therapy. So that was the genesis of this idea of marrying virtual reality and cognitive behavioral therapy. Because what cognitive behavioral therapy is meant to do is it's meant to redefine the thought behavior links in people's brains. Because as humans, we have thoughts you know, all the time. Most of them, not worth a whole lot. You know, most of them we can just ignore because they're not helpful. I mean, that's just the, how the brain is. A lot of noise going on there. And what people with anxiety disorders, you know, we're talking about disorders right now, they can link a thought with a behavior that can be negative and that's not helpful. So what CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy for short does is it teaches people to decouple those pairs and then reinsert healthy behaviors in its place. And it sounds very, very weird, but look at it this way. If I gave you a book on how to ride a bicycle and let's say you didn't know how to ride a bicycle, you could read that book from cover to cover And by the end of it, you would probably understand what a bicycle is, how it works, how, what the physics are about it, um, maybe even how to fix one. But until you actually get on that bike and ride it, you're not gonna know how to ride a bike. So the same is with CBT that you have to experience these things in order for your brain to change. It's what happens, it's called creating new neural synapses. And that can only be done by thought and action together. So imagine when somebody says, how do I turn a faucet on? You probably reach your hand out and work as if you're turning that faucet on, you're like, oh yeah, I guess you turn right. You turn left, to. Get, but you wouldn't know that without doing it. That's what this, this therapy does so that eventually the skills that you learn become automatic and applicable across any situation.
0: Due to the pandemic, the need for therapy increased. That probably doesn't come as a surprise. In a study conducted by the American Psychological Association between August 28th and October 5th of 2020, they found that nearly three in 10 psychologists said that they're seeing more patients overall since the start of the pandemic. Of psychologists who provide treatment for anxiety disorders, nearly three quarters that's 74%, reported an increase in demand for treatment for anxiety. Anxiety is the most common mental health issue in the US. A 2018 Lancet Commission report on mental health said that mental disorders are on the rise in every country in the world and will cost the global economy $16 trillion by 2030. The economic cost is primarily due to early onset mental illness and lost productivity, with an estimated 12 billion working days lost due to mental illness every year.
1: Anxiety is a part of life, period. Anxiety is never going to go away. It's how we respond to it that matters. Anxious situations, anxiety producing situations are always going to be there on a daily basis. There's no running away from it. It becomes a disorder when it's interrupting your life. And the way Dr. Shanna puts it, and I call her Shana because it's an old, almost a joke of ours, but the way she puts it is that when we live in our values, no matter how anxious we may get, we continue living in our values. For instance, let's say I have to be at work at 9 a.m. every morning. Let's say... I get anxious about being at work at 9 a.m. every morning. Well, if I am not living in my values, I'll make up excuses to show up late. Oh, I got anxious. Oh, I got a headache. Oh, you know, and that's not living in my values. If I show up to work at nine and do whatever it takes to get there, regardless of my anxiety, that's living in my values. It's doing what you need to do anyway,
0: despite how you're feeling. The thing about anxiety, as well, is this: it's this word that when people hear it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: they they automatically go to this extreme. Like if you say right. I'm an anxious person or I have anxiety, they imagine this like person cocooned in the corner of a room that can't do anything yeah. and is just
1: paralyzed by the fear of whatever. Right, and that's probably a disorder, but most people don't have a disorder; mm-hmm. they just have anxiety and it can still interrupt their lives. It can still keep them from reaching their full potential or for living their dreams because of these fears. And again, these fears are normal but they don't have to stop you from doing what you wanna do. So that's why it's important that people, and I look at it as mostly a, a skills building process. So there are always some people in any strata that will have a disorder and they really do need a therapist to help them develop skills to manage their anxiety. But the other rest of you know the rest of the people they may experience anxiety and it may be daily and it may pause them from doing what they need to do or they may act out. They may get angry or they may lash out at their loved ones and or coworkers. That's not okay. It's not may not ra- rise to the level of a disorder, but it's still interrupting them, and it can still affect their relationships, not only with themselves but with other people.
0: And yeah. Lisa, so- can you put us in the world of an ex- like anxiety, not not to the point of disorder, this extreme mm-hmm. that we all already imagine, but mm-hmm. what does a normal person' daily life anxiety look like?
1: Okay, so let's say um, let's say social anxiety is probably the most prevalent form of anxiety. Let me preface this by saying, I don't suffer from anxiety. I I love tall buildings. I, (laughs) I'm a little nutty or as Shana says, Lisa, you are too normal and it's almost abnormal. (laughs) But let's say that there's a party that you get invited to. And let's say that your friend who invited you said, it's just going to be a small group. You know, most of everybody I'll meet you there. Okay, fine. You know, no problem. But you get there and suddenly you hear this heavy house music through the door. And you're like, oh, that doesn't sound like a small party. And you hear a lot of people chatting, you know, glasses clinking. And suddenly with somebody with social anxiety might get very nervous and might become very anxious and think, oh, my God, I don't think I can do this. And then they get a text saying that their friend isn't there yet because they went out to go get some you know, some beer or something for the party. And this person may think, I don't even want to go anymore. I just can't handle this. Well, but you made a commitment to your friend that you'd go. So now there's a choice to make. Do you stick to your agreement or do you run away? And that's the point where we want to help people because living in your values means you go in that door and you meet people, you talk to people because that's the right thing to do. That's that's the socially appropriate thing to do. And it's also not gonna hurt you. And another way to look at this is that, especially our American society, we seem to think that any negative emotion is not okay. And that is, when you think about it, that's a little bit a nutty way to think about life because all emotions are, are and should be experienced As human beings, we have a a wide spectrum of emotions and they should all be expected that we're going to be experiencing them and, and having those emotions. So to try to run away from negative emotions is the absolute worst thing that we can do. Because the more we lean into those emotions, the sooner they'll dissipate. Just like when you're happy, it doesn't last forever. Or if you're giggling, it doesn't last forever. You giggle and then, okay, it goes away, right? Same thing with the negative so what we want people to do is to feel it fully so when i met shana a gazillion years ago she and i would be talking at the time she was still a social worker and i was going through some tough times and i wasn't seeing her professionally but she and i would talk as friends and she would say things like lisa when you're sad you feel it all the way if you feel like crying you cry if you feel like laughing you laugh if you are angry or annoyed, you express that. And that's what we need people to do. Running away from negative feelings is never the solution. If you're upset, feel it, feel it all the way, go all the way. And you'd be surprised at how much more quickly that feeling will will come down. It may not take away the sorrow or the source of sorrow, but you'll be able to manage it and learn from it and grow from it. And those are the kinds of skills that we need people to develop because I think in our society, we have been teaching people that any negative emotion is bad and oh no, we don't wanna have that. You know, parents are, oh, I don't want my kid to get a scraped knee. Well, you know, sometimes I teach them about gravity. If they're climbing a tree and they fall, hopefully safely, but I mean, I don't want kids to fall out of trees, but we need to be a little more risk-taking and be able to experience what it is to fail. You know, we have stories of a lot of pay, of parents who will call a teacher saying, why did my kid get a B? I want that to be an A. Well, no, maybe that's how the child should learn how to either study more or maybe they just didn't get something and that's okay. So it's this running away from negative feelings that really needs to be stopped. We really need to be embracing our full spectrum of emotional abilities because that's how we actually evolve into more full human beings. Because that also teaches us empathy and compassion.
0: I want to take us back a little bit to the scenario you painted of someone being anxious outside of someone's home because mm-hmm. they said it was going to be a small party and it's not mm-hmm. um i as a person who i think i there's this term i've heard of like a high functioning and anxious person mm-hmm. high functioning is that anxious? yeah 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 hi- highly functioning mm-hmm. yeah um i think i'm somewhere in that territory mm-hmm. because i i Absolutely. have a lot of social anxiety and yet mm-hmm. I work a lot to overcome it because mm-hmm. of the, these dreams I have for myself as a person, and and they all involve having to deal with humans and and going to places and talking to right. people. So like and I can't talk to away. people. Yikes! And people <laughs> you don't always know. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it's a battle that I've had since I can remember, and mm-hmm. um and it goes a little bit against my personality because. I think people would always not understand me because they're like, "What do you mean you're an introvert? You, you, you know how to sp- like that is that is muy bien, you know all right. These- right?
1: Te portas muy bien, no, no supiera, yeah, yeah, exactly. I get it, and that's the thing is that people again, like you said earlier, they have this idea that somebody with anxiety is like curled up in the corner yeah. in a ball, like weeping, and when they're face to the wall or something like that. That's not it at all. Yeah, is that the truth? Is that people who experience anxiety on a regular basis or, or, or who, are, who would consider themselves anxious people usually are highly functioning. They're doctors, lawyers, uh, you know, ask, I mean, every again, anxiety isn't unique to anyone. It's, it happens to everybody. And just because you're an introvert and social situations make you anxious doesn't make you um, any less effective as a human being and at what you do for a living. So it's that we need to, again, we need to decouple these ideas because again, anxiety happens to everyone on a consistent (laughs) basis. You know, when I have a presentation at work, well, do I get anxious? If I haven't prepared, I'll get a little anxious, but that's normal. That's an actually an appropriate response. I didn't do my work. Yeah, I should be anxious because anxiety actually has a role in our emotional spectrum to propel us to do something. You know, for, for, well, I guess for men too, for women and men who may be walking down a lonely street and you hear steps behind you. Yeah, you might get a little anxious. Why? Because that could be a predator. That could be somebody coming to do you harm. Again, anxiety would be a normal response. Now you have a choice. You stand and fight, you keep walking, or you run. Those are your options, right? But again, that's a normal response. So anxiety has a place in our evolutionary uh, uh, development as well as our current day situations where it is useful. I have a theory and I haven't talked to any cultural Anthropologists about this yet, but I have a feeling that for people for whom anxiety is hardwired into the brain, because anxiety can be learned or it can be kind of part of somebody's makeup, but I have a feeling that it served a very uh, important function early on. So imagine you are living in caves and there are saber-toothed tigers around. The anxious person would probably have been the one who stayed up all night at the mouth of the cave to make sure that there was no cyber tooth tiger coming in to eat your family. A very useful skill, right? And a very useful mindset to have. Well, we don't have saber tooth tigers anymore, but again, for some people, I think anxiety is hardwired. For those people, it can become a disorder and there are medications for that and they absolutely may need them to reduce, you know, to manage their symptoms. But for many other people and the kind of anxiety that we want to address in Audaz is it can be learned. So maybe there were influential people in somebody's life, especially at a younger age um, that told them, oh, don't, you know, don't ever go swimming or something like that. I'm making that up. But again, they can be learned because of of social influence. And so they learned to connect a thought like, um, and I'm going to use something that's a little bit silly, but I think you can understand, let's say you suddenly have an anxiety of crossing a busy street in the city. Now, again, it's good to be aware because you can get run over by a car and that happens all the time to people, but you still gotta get to the other side of the street. So letting it stop you is not, the, it's not a good plan just because you're afraid of getting hit by a car. The right thing to do is A, wait for the walk sign and look both ways, make sure nobody's gonna be running the red light to come hit you. So that would be a normal response to what could be an anxious situation. But you still have to cross the street because if we all stopped what we were doing because we had these thoughts that, oh my God, I could get hit by a car, we'd never leave our houses. And (laughs) that would not be good. So there are ways to decouple those thoughts that we can, again, continue living in our values because you still got to cross the street. You still have to show up for work. You still have to be there for your family. You still have to pay your bills, all that stuff that can be anxious producing situations.
0: And I feel like we've all been, well, I don't know. I I like to selfishly be like, we've all been in that situation where we don't want to, I've been in the situation. I just wait in the the car until my friend gets there. I am that person. I rather do that (laughs) than go inside and like pretend, you know, I, and I've done this many times where I get invited by, to these parties, and my friends' friends already know that I'm probably either one, not going to show up because it's a, a social situation, or mm-hmm. two, they basically have to hold my hand until I feel comfortable enough to be like let alone in the right situation. So now,
1: now let's take the situation. Now mm-hmm. think about when you don't show up, and what that in the long term may do to your social contract with your friends. Yeah and that's not good for you because it's affecting your relationship with them i have seen where anxiety has gotten in the way of people's lives from their relationships um people may not ask somebody out that they find attractive and they want to get to know and that's a shame
0: yeah
1: you know again that's keeping them from living their full potential and their full lives and that that upsets me because I'm the type of person's like, oh, there's a party and I don't know anybody else. Okay, I'll meet people. I am <laughs> at I a room like full that. of strangers as friends I haven't met yet. Wow. But that's my perspective. Again, right. as Shana would say, Lisa, you were just so weird. <laughs> because <laughs> I guess amazing. not everybody thinks that way.
0: Right. But
1: that, that to me is where I get excited. So the other thing about anxiety is that the physical s- symptoms that people feel like getting sweaty, or maybe a little nauseous, um, maybe feeling a little dizzy. They can be, they are the same physical sensations as excitement. So for instance, I love roller coasters. Love them. (laughs) I like hang gliding. I like whitewater rafting. I get excited. I get butterflies in my stomach. I love public speaking. I get butterflies in my stomach right before I get in front of that microphone. But to me, that's excitement. I like that feeling because I have a positive spin on it. Again, that's just me, but it's the same physical sensation that people with anxiety experience. So again, I've learned to couple that thought of going on a roller coaster with joy and excitement where somebody who is anxious about it will approach it with a feeling of dread,
0: right?
1: Same physical sensations, different connotation.
0: And how does Alas and- address this?
1: So what we do is we'll be taking people through a virtual anxious producing Mm -hmm. situation.
0: That sounds great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're like,
1: sign me up. (laughs) Um,
0: The thing is, is
1: that again, with cognitive behavioral therapy, you have to experience things in order to change the way you think about them. Yeah. So as we take people through ever increasing levels of anxiety, We're checking in, of course, but we're also showing people that you've got this, this should not stop you from doing what you need to do you need to walk through that door. How are you going to get rewarded, how are you going to meet new people, if you're single maybe you're going to meet the love of your life at this thing, you don't know or if you're you know or maybe somebody will offer you a great job because you met them at a party I mean the the possibilities are endless, but you'll never know until you walk through that door. So with Audaz, we start at a very low level of an anxiety producing situation. And with each chapter, people will experience greater levels of anxiety because they'll need to understand, we'll be teaching them that just experiencing it. And your your anxiety could go to an eight out of 10. But you sit there long enough and it'll start to come down on its own. Just like when you're laughing at an eight out of 10, you can't laugh forever. It'll start to come down and you'll get over it. So it's really being patient with yourself and knowing that the world will not come crumbling down. And if it
0: does, then you are right. And then you get over that because everything that goes up must come down and vice versa. Exactly. Everything that goes up must come down.
1: I was a little story here. I was Mm -hmm. hang gliding in Rio one year. I was there for a conference and a bunch of colleagues and I decided that this would be a fun thing to do. And the idea of jumping off of a perfectly stable cliff with nobody forcing you off of it is really counter (laughs) to our sense of survival, right? But it looked like too much fun for me to pass up. So I emailed my phone and said, hey, guys, I'm going hang gliding and one of my sisters responds are you insane you can die I said yes I could die but I'll die doing something that was really cool
0: my hands are sweating just thinking about it just so you know like (laughs) I got nervous
1: all of a sudden so when, when when I have these kinds of choices to make I ask myself what's my worst case scenario if my worst case scenario is that I'm going to die Okay, then if I do die, I'll be dead and I won't care anymore.
0: All my problems will be solved because I'll be dead. Oh God. <laughs> I wish I had that sort of. I'd probably be you like, I'd, I'll be dead and miss out on all of. Like, I'd, I'd probably take a, a much more negative direction toward it.
1: But so again, and I'm not expecting everybody to have my thought process, but it has allowed me. That thought process has gotten me to to really think all the way through. So the other thing that Dr. Shannon has taught me is that for people with anxiety, they're not telling the full story, they're stopping. So for instance, oh my God, what if I walk into that party and I don't know anybody and I'm embarrassed because I don't know anybody and they're gonna ask me, who am I? Okay, finish the story. Oh, if that's the case, then I can just introduce myself. And make a new friend and then i won't be alone anymore and then i won't be no not knowing anybody i'll now know jane or i'll know javier so if you finish the story you can make up any ending you want but why not make it a good ending
0: and I remember them I like that's how nervous I would get I remember the times when something like because that's happened to me so many times I get invited to something and they're Mm -hmm. like it's gonna be a little small get together and it's this full-blown party and I'm like why and I'm already there at the door and I'm like no (laughs) this is not a small (laughs) get together what is this I remember those times because I do get I get sweaty palms my heart races Mm -hmm. I, it's like, I turn into this other persona as well. Like I, I get into, I'm, I'm almost acting. I'm no longer myself because I, I feel like I have to act confident to feel it like fake it till you make that's it. Okay. Of- yeah. That's okay. That's a good coping skill. And it's never as bad as, you know, like I'm immediately, Hi. I always like, Oh, what was I afraid of? Yeah. And and I'm like, wait, why am I? Obviously I, I never stay long. Like that's my thing. I, I get really like socially like exhausted I can't be mm-hmm. around people yeah. for a long time but I'm like there for like maybe an hour and then I'm like thank you for inviting me I showed up
1: yeah. bye I did my <laughs> duty I'm
0: out <laughs> exactly but it's never as bad as I imagine it for some reason I always imagine this like worst case scenario before walking in the door that everyone's going to turn around and look at me at the same time and gonna be like who is this weird go- girl that just walked in kind of thing that's never happened to me before yeah. right <laughs> like- so interesting that you just described yourself as weird so here's my theory on that I
1: think we all think we're weird and we are we're all oddballs there is no thing no such thing as normal okay so the sooner we I used my brother and I used to talk about this all the time I've learned to embrace my oddities and feel free to steal that phrase Embracing my oddities has allowed me to not care about whether somebody thinks I'm weird or not. Cause yeah, I am kind of weird. I'll go hang gliding in a foreign country. <laughs> um, it's, it's about getting comfortable in your own skin. So comfortable that you can walk into that party and shake a few hands and it, that your inner introvert is fine. You don't have to stay forever because I, I get it that for introverts, it's a lot more energy to be around a lot of people. You know, I happen to fall somewhere in the mid spectrum of introvert, extrovert. So being around a lot of people doesn't really bother me. But again, I'm always looking for ooh, who's, who's the fun person to talk to? That's what I want to do because I want to make friends. You can't make friends with 50 people at once, but you can make friends with two or three. So that's how I approach those things. But again, I tell the whole story. I walk in with, ooh, who can I meet tonight? You know, is is it gonna be somebody who's just fun or a musician or an artist that I wanna know more about and maybe hear their music? Those are the kinds of things that excite me. And again, same physical sensations, but different meaning that I attach to it because we all attach meaning. All, basically all of our thoughts are neutral and all actions are neutral until we ascribe meaning to them. So for you, party means dread. For me, party means fun, it's just a party. It doesn't have meaning until we ascribe meaning to it. Most of our thoughts are dumb, are useless, but we ascribe meaning to them thinking that that's real. Our thoughts are real, but our attached meaning to them is
0: malleable. So why not change the the connotation? So, so take me through all this, because I understand everything you're saying when it comes to like CBT and, and, and what you just mentioned, ascribing a different, completing the story, completing the journey in your mind, fixing those, not fixing, but I guess first it's acknowledgement, right? That's part of CBT. First, you have to acknowledge right. that you're having these negative thoughts or that mm-hmm. you're going in a roller coaster. That's super unnecessary. Um, and then it's about talking to yourself <laughs> through it right? Like, this is why I'm having this right. thought. Let me complete the, the sentence sort of thing. What's the other spin mm-hmm. I can give it instead of automatically going through the the mind corner in a bald mm-hmm. person, right? right. Um, so while that puts you in this world mm-hmm. and, and starts elevating these levels of the, these stress levels, mm-hmm. because we're in a virtual world, because it's mm-hmm. not real, Mm-hmm. I had to say it in two different ways, but how, how can someone like me expect to be getting better? Uh, if, if I'm not with actual humans, if that makes Right.
1: Sense. So here's the thing about virtual reality. The brain doesn't know it's not real life because the emotions and the chemical changes going on in your brain are still real. The brain takes that as an actual event. The brain doesn't know that. You know it when you think about it, but your neural synapses will start to change anyway because you are eliciting the same emotions and the same physical changes. So you're responding to this virtual environment as if it were real and the brain does not know the difference. The brain's amazing.
0: That's super cool, and that's yeah. that's true. It, it starts kind of becoming uh, a normal practice. Like you don't like when you're doing things like driving or something that you mm-hmm. don't realize it. You're not like I am actually driving and all of these. Yeah,
1: things. you're not thinking about okay, how do I make a right turn? No, you just make the right turn because okay. again, practice, practice, practice. And now there's this neural synapse. And oh, I need to make a right turn, and your body knows exactly what to do. Just like turning on the faucet or riding a bike.
0: So how do we get our hands on or this? How how can we experience well, all that? <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't been
1: created yet. Um, it's it's still being developed, but I would love for people. You know, if they want to sign up for being beta testers when we are ready. Um, that would be wonderful. So we'll be reaching out again to get beta testers because we're going to need to be able to um, have it be a valuable. And so you know, there's always going to be tweaks to be made. But yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, we, the other thing about this program is that while virtual reality is being used in therapeutic senses, so it's being used for PTSD, uh, for pain management within hospitals, But you have to be able to see a therapist to access those programs. And most people don't have access to a cognitive behavioral therapist. It's a very specialized uh, form of therapy, and they're just not enough therapists to go around anyway, period. And then when you layer on cultural taboos and stigmas about mental health care especially for people of color. In fact, people of color tend to use mental health care services half, at half the rate as non-Hispanic whites do. So that tells me that people who could use this wouldn't get it anyway, even if, you know without Audaz being around. So we wanna make this accessible to everyone. And that's not to say that this takes the place of actual therapy. No, this is for the self-help market. And for people like you, who, whose anxiety levels may not ri- rise to the level of a disorder, but who know they have some anxiety to deal with, that, that they need to find a better way to manage their an- anxious symptoms. So that's who this is for, and we'll be doing it in Spanish as well, because there are, just aren't enough resources for Spanish speakers, and that, that hurts me. I don't like that. <laughs>
0: it's not cool. <laughs> I was going to ask you that too. That's, oh my God, that's great that you guys are going to have this in Spanish. Cause I also, cause culturally just you experience different types of anxiety for different reasons, because I mm-hmm. mean for Hispanos or for Latinos or um, for me myself, I know that a lot of the anxiety I experience comes from this idea of like, porque desde chiquitos, they train you almost like, La, la niña se tiene que comportar así, el niño mm. así, mm-hmm. and, then, and and, you know, Latino boys are very different than American boys, and, and as a girl, like, when I would go out on dates, or when I experience different types of anxiety, because I know they're looking for different things, or like, when I go to a party with just Mexicanos right. versus Americans, I feel very different types of anxiety, you know?
1: Interesting, yeah, yeah, it is, it is very, um, just like humor is very cultural, Mm -hmm. so are other triggers. And so, yeah, we'll be developing this in Spanish um, so that everyone has a chance to develop their skills because I really believe that everyone should be able to manage their anxiety and that these skills are learnable Mm -hmm. and why not make it available? Because it breaks my heart to see people stop themselves from doing things that they really do want to do. And again, I'm not here to decide what's right for any one person, whatever the it is that's Mm -hmm. keeping somebody from living their fullest life. Let's see if we can manage that and and give them the skill so that they're no longer dependent on somebody else. You know, and, and as, as Shana likes to say, and again, she deals with people with the disorder. So kind of the extremes of, of anxiety. But she says, you, no one has the right, and in her words, to put their shit on somebody else. And what she's saying is that you don't have a right, just because you're experiencing anxiety, or whatever bad mood you're in, you don't have a right to inflict that on other people. That's not okay. That's not what grownups do. That's what a two-year-old does. You know, they have tantrums. A two-year-old to a certain extent is allowed, but very quickly they learn that's not cool. So we teach them not to do that. So I'm sure we've all been at the at the receiving end of somebody who has let their anxiety get the better of them, and they lash out. Oh yeah. And that's not okay. And that can come in the forms of physical abuse, verbal abuse, um, and again, those are that's never okay. So giving people the skills that they can clamp it down, even if they are experiencing anxiety keep it to yourself folks and move on, you know, keep calm and carry on because that's how we keep moving forward. And that's how we live in our values.
0: This is incredibly important work. And as you know, here at Latinx, we believe that resources that help us get better and be better should be available to a diverse community from all types of backgrounds. So, if you also believe this, and if you're someone who has anxiety and you're interested in being a beta tester for Aldas, make sure to email info at and let them know you're interested. It's a great opportunity for you to be part of something at its inception, and it will also help the Aldas team develop an even better product. One of my last questions to you, Lisa, is why Aldas? What's behind Aldas? It is the Latin
1: root of audacious, and in Spanish it means bold.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So there I love you go. That. I love so that. yeah, we 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 were my team and I were thinking, what could this, what what could we name this? Because you know we had a few other names, but they were taken. Mm-hmm. So okay, okay, we can't do that. And then one of the team members he pops up and says, hey, how about audaz? I look at each other like, yeah, I think I think we like that. So that's what we went with.
0: What would be, I guess, your advice for dealing with anxiety in a like work or school setting? Because you did talk about this, about how, you know, you're angry, you express it some way. If you're sad, you express it. You don't just bottle up Mm -hmm. these these feelings. Right. When we're in these settings where it's not socially acceptable to show anything other than everything's rosy and pink and I love everybody. Mm -hmm. How do you address it in these situations?
1: So interesting that you say that we're expected to say that everything's rosy and okay. There are appropriate ways to express annoyance, anger, displeasure, et cetera. Just because I express my anger doesn't mean I'm acting like an angry person. So if somebody really ticks me off at work, let's say I'm making this up, but I have every right and I should ask that person to have a private conversation and express myself so i could even say you know what this happened and it made me very angry and here's why so one thing i learned a long time ago was that when i get upset i ask myself am i behaving like a 3 year old or is there a real reason why i'm upset because sometimes people can do something that just triggers you and you don't quite know why and it is to your own benefit to dissect that and realize, is this because when I was a kid, somebody pushed me and it hurt my feelings and am I still reacting that way? Or is it because this person you know, did it deliberately? You know, so again, really unpacking and dissecting, why am I upset? Because I'm the master of my feelings. Nobody can make me feel anyway. Nobody can make you feel anyway. That is up to you. It's how we respond to situations that matter. So if you get angry at work, you can even write it down if you have to. If the moment isn't right to express it, write it down or just don't ignore it, is the worst thing you can do. But you can easily go home and just vent to somebody if that's what you have to do. And if a supervisor says, hey, you know, what's going on or what's really going on with this project, for instance, don't pretend everything's okay. Say, yeah, there's some problems and here they are. There's always an appropriate way to express whatever emotion that you're feeling. And so I think the worst thing that we can do to ourselves and to the people around us is to bottle it up because it will come out. It will come out in anxiety symptoms. It will come out in long-term in ulcers and even longer term You know, our emotions are very, our minds and bodies are connected and that's how people develop cancers. Again, long-term, I'm not saying there's, you know, A, B, C, D, E, but it doesn't serve us as human beings to ignore our feelings. We must find an appropriate way to express them. So again, getting back to how do I deal with it? When I am upset, I ask myself first, why? Just because I'm reacting to a certain situation, I need to understand for myself, why is that eliciting these certain feelings? I'll give you an example. Years ago, I I usually am traveling over my birthday. It just seems to be the season. And I was away for my birthday. And the morning of it, my boyfriend called me and wished me happy birthday. I'm like, great, he should. That's exactly what he should be doing. I got home a day later and I was hoping for birthday cake, birthday cupcake, glass of champagne poured for me a nice dinner something and I got nothing and I was really upset and I thought god am I behaving like a three-year-old or what's going on so I let a few days go by and I was thinking about and I talked with a few friends I said I'm really hurt and I don't know if I if I'm again behaving like a three-year-old or if I have a legitimate reason to be hurt and what should I do about this and they're like, no, I'd be upset too. So I'm like, okay. And after a few days, it still hurt. That was my other clue that it was an issue that I needed to deal with. So I talked to my boyfriend. I wasn't angry. I just said, this really hurt me. And he bowed his head and he's like, I am so sorry. He goes, as your boyfriend, that that's the least I can do. I'm like, yeah, that's the least you can do. He never missed my birthday again or ignored it again. But again, it took my really understanding Why am I feeling this way? So that I didn't lash out in anger, but I was able to approach the situation with thoughtfulness and respect for the other person as well. Because I knew that he never meant to hurt me. He just, you know, screwed up and we all do. Does that answer your question? (laughs) I know it's a long answer, but I, I wanna make sure that people don't assume that because we are expected, especially as women, that we should be happy all the time or we should be smiling all the time. No. Mm-mm. Next time somebody tells you to smile, tell them to smile. <laughs> right? it's, we don't get, yeah, we're, we're not here for other people's enjoyment or to please them or to present a pretty face to them because that's what they want to see. That is not our reason to be here, whether it's work or social or walking down the street not okay. So we have to be able to stand in our own skin and fully experience what we experience and express that appropriately. Whether it's anger, joy, sorrow, surprise,
0: astonishment, whatever it is,
1: you have every right to express it.
0: I've been in that situation for sure. Or like similar ones where I'm like, you create a a very basic expectation. It's not like you were expecting like ponies and a house uh, and, yeah like something super <laughs> just the basic expectation and and it's yeah. not meant and you start questioning and it builds up unnecessarily when you could have just addressed it
1: yeah and I think as women we are taught from a very young age to kind of be nice be mm-hmm. nice be nice oh yep I don't have to be nice
0: yep
1: And I don't think I am necessarily a nice person. In fact, if you look up the etymology of the word nice, it's not nice. (laughs) So, but we can be compassionate, passionate, energetic, thoughtful, understanding, intelligent, brilliant, funny. We can be all of those things, but we don't have to be nice because being nice really is other people's. Um, expectation that we don't cause any waves. And that's not what, we're again, we're not here just to maintain status quo. We are here to live our lives as human beings, regardless of our gender. And to be denied that, that's when we start saying, oh, you can't express anger at work. Excuse me? If something really happened, if I'll give you another example. Years ago, I was relatively fresh out of college and I was working at this company And I was talking to two team members through this window in a wall. They were on the other side and I was explaining what I needed from them. And this young colleague comes up and runs his finger up my neck. I went from zero to 100 on the anger scale in a nanosecond. And I turned to him and I said loudly, don't ever touch me again or I will break your arm. And he started laughing and i said i don't know why you think this is funny i'm not joking touch me again and i will break your arm and he says what did i do i said you you violated my personal space and i don't like it i didn't invite it and i don't like it in fact don't touch any other person in this office without her consent and then the guys on the other side of that window kind of go dude she just got married i said and i turned to them and I said, and what does my marital status have to do with it? I said, if I don't want my husband to touch me, he doesn't touch me. I said, I am owner of all of this, all five feet of it. It's mine. And nobody can touch me without my consent ever. So that was a perfect example of being angry at work, expressing it immediately. And guess what? The guy never came near me again, nor did anybody else. They were all kind of afraid of me, but I'm like, good, be afraid because if you end up with a broken arm, everyone will know why. But if everyone had the chance to handle sexual assaults or inappropriate touching immediately, men would learn pretty quickly. Don't do that. But we are taught, be nice. That's what nice gets you. I wasn't nice in that moment, nor did I need to be. So, Being, again, being able to express ourselves immediately when it's necessary and appropriate is perfectly fine. And I wish every woman, especially young women, because I know you guys are coming up in your careers and creeps are still out there. They always will be. So the sooner we teach them to stop that, the better off we'll all be. (laughs) You know, my true wish is for everyone to thrive, whatever that means for them. And Making Audaz available, it will be low cost. Um, it will be available even on people's phones with an inexpensive headset um, so that they can experience it because I don't want cost to be the reason why people don't avail themselves of this tool. And I will let you know when it's available, hopefully soon. Hopefully by the end of the year, that's our goal.
0: Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode with Lisa. You can email the Aldaz team at info at if you have any questions or if you want to be part of the group of beta testers. You can find this information in the description of this episode. Remember to support us by rating this podcast on Apple, because as you know, this will help us continue to work on the show and bring on guests who inspire and motivate you. This is Latinx. I'm your host, Andrea Márquez. Thank you for listening.